I wouldn't give up the experience of understanding deeply what pain is, um, what healing can feel like, how resilient we can be, how to find joy in tiny things that I used to not even notice. Um, and I definitely, when I never had, I don't know, this is kind of weird, but when my kids were little or having a tantrum or screaming in the bathtub or something, I didn't, <laughs> I really, I, I just appreciated every minute of it. I think it made me deeply appreciate being a mom and 99.9% .9 of the time I could stay like just right there in the moment with them. You know, I loved it. We would do like imagination stories and this, that, and the other, and just to be so um, in the moment, I think was a gift that grief gave me. Hello, and welcome to Grief, Gratitude, and the Gray in Between podcast. This podcast is about exploring the grief that occurs at different times in our lives in which we have had major changes and transitions that literally shake us to the core and make us experience grief. I created this podcast for people to feel a little less hopeless and alone in their own grief process as they hear the stories of others who have had similar journeys. I'm Kendra Rinaldi, your host. Now, let's dive right in to today's episode. Thank you for tuning in. Today, we will be listening to Emma Payne's story. Emma is the founder and CEO of Grief Coach. It's a website that supports people in their grief journey. She uh, has started as an entrepreneur in technology. Uh, she's an MIT graduate and then now has combined her two passions of technology as well as grief support with what she does. So we'll be learning and hearing more about her story. So welcome, Emma. Thanks for having me. Nice to be here. Thank you for, for joining. And as I, as I shared here, I just said a little bit of snippets there about you, but I will be learning just as the listeners are as we go along here. So uh, tell me where you live and a little bit about your family and then your how you got into, you know, studying and MIT and that line of work. So start with the family and where you live, and then we'll go from there. Uh, well, I'm on the West Coast uh, with my teenagers in Seattle. And um, MIT, yeah, that was uh, that was a trip. It's <laughs> just as hard as everybody says it would be. Uh, I was I was the only person in my program, I believe, who wasn't already an engineer. So it was uh, very, very difficult. Um, but I survived it. <laughs> yeah, you're here. <laughs> or are, are we talking about is that maybe what what the grief experience was? <laughs> No, was, that came that came later. <laughs> that came after. It was not like the surviving being an MIT. No, no. <laughs> I'm sure that was a big shift too. Did you grow up in Seattle? No, I've lived oh. all over the place. I was born in England when I was a baby. My parents moved to Zambia, then Algeria, then back to England, then immigrated to Canada. So I was a kid who moved around um, a lot. Oh, yeah. 
Wow. Yeah. I that always intrigues me and I ask this to other people like in terms of the moving because for some people they they live in one place for so many years and then they move and then there's definitely a big shift. I know that was for me when I moved to the states initially because I came when I was 18 and then from there on then I started moving every 5 to 6 years pretty much changing states. But for somebody that's grown up that way in moving, do you feel that transitions like moves are just easier for you in general because it's something you're just used to doing? Uh, if you'd asked me that question two years ago, I would have said, yes, absolutely. I'm just sort of good at it and I can manage the upheaval um, pretty well. Um, but today I would give you a different answer because the whole you know, now I have teenagers. Um, the pandemic is really, really difficult for us in lots of ways. Um, online school, co-parenting across a closed border. I mean, so now I'm sort of feeling the opposite. I am feeling some degree of envy for people who really feel grounded and at home in one place. And I have um, people scattered across a lot of places. And that's really hard with the pandemic, right? Because you just haven't been able to see and get the support from from the people that we wanted. Such so. a good, such a good point and and uh, insight on that. It's true. Like I'm, we don't have anybody where we live either. And the same, I the the border wise, I also have a. I, when you said border is uh, there, the children's parent uh, in um Canada, in Canada. yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So my brother recently moved to Canada, and then my in laws live in Colombia, and so. Land-wise, like the only ones we could like just drive to see were the ones that live in Florida. So, mm -hmm. um, so, but yeah, I yeah, it, it's it just is, a bit yeah. difficult. And I think, um, I mean, I just read that twenty-five percent of Americans <laughs> moved last year, or something like that. Mm. So it's I'm not alone. I think mm -hmm. that a lot of people who had been more uh, nomadic <laughs> with their choices really, um, yeah, really realized that that they needed to be as close as possible to the people that support and love them. So it's been, um, it's been a, it's been a time. <laughs> it's a, it's definitely been unique. I'll be if, if FYI, if the listeners end up hearing like, like sound in the background, it ended up being that the lawn mowing people are <laughs> mowing my lawn right now. So, it, so if you if you see me mute, Emma, just know that it's so that it doesn't end up picking up as much. So, um, but anyway, thank you for for sharing that. So, your teenagers are how old now? I have teenagers as well. How old are your teenagers? Thirteen and fifteen. Oh, we have close. Mine are thirteen and fourteen. Oh wow! Well, my my fifteen year old only became fifteen about three weeks ago. So, uh -huh. Yeah. Or four weeks ago. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So it's definitely, uh, definitely different. I I've loved it so far. I, I, is I've, for me, it's been, it's been a, a good experience so far with teenagers, but you know, I don't, I don't <laughs> see them or talk to them as much. I miss, I was telling them this morning to, to my son, cause, uh, my dog is the only one that lets me hug her and cuddle her. And I was telling him, I'm like, she's the only one that lets me kiss her and take pictures of her and everything. And nobody else lets me do that anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's a change. It is a change. Okay. So you studied at MIT, you studied technology. So how long did you work in that field before? And then you started then developing different, uh, 
apps and things like that or, yeah. uh, you know, different. So tell us about yeah. that journey and how that then took sure. you into now the area of the Grief Coach website. Sure. Uh, so I have been working in technology for about, I don't know, 20 five years by the time I started Grief Coach. Um, I started my first web company before Netscape existed. <laughs> um, and so I was very, very early into web. Um, and I had spent decades developing all kinds of mobile and online applications for uh, things like um, getting young people registered to vote. Um, I founded an organization that was all about getting women into technology and ran that for three years. It went on for 17 years before it was acquired. So I was really proud of that work. So I had a long technology career. Um, but I also had spent about 10 years working as a volunteer and off the side of my desk and sometimes a few consulting projects in grief and loss, particularly around uh, suicide prevention, crisis intervention, things like that. Um, so in 2015, my friend died and he, um, was the best friend and also second cousin of my first husband who had died by suicide 10 years earlier. Uh, so when my friend died, he had asked me to speak at his funeral and I said, yes, of course I would. Um, but after he died, I was really nervous about that because it did mean flying across the country and seeing a lot of people who I hadn't heard from when my, when my first husband died. Um, and that was nerve wracking. So, but in the end, I feel like that was a real gift from my friend because I spent 72 hours starting with the minute I sat down in the pew um, with people saying, oh my goodness, you're Emma, you're Barry's widow. I'm so sorry. I didn't reach out. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know anyone who had died before. Then so much time passed and I was embarrassed that I hadn't reached out. You know, essentially people had genuinely had cared about me, but they just didn't know what to do. And so on my plane ride home from the funeral, and, you know, again, by this point, I'd spent 20 something years building mobile and online platforms. So on my plane ride home, I just thought, this is so silly. Like I spent 10 years not hearing from people and that was really hard, but a hundred people spent 10 years feeling bad about that. Genuinely feeling ashamed, guilty, um, sad, unsure, all of that, you know? So I just thought, okay, well, if we can use our phones for every other thing, we must be able to use it for um, grief support too. So I basically used my plane ride to map out all of Grief Coach uh, as a text messaging platform. And I thought that by the time we landed at SeaTac, I would get online and I would see that it existed already, you know, but then we landed and I got onto Wi-Fi and I saw there was nothing. There were not grief apps. There was no text support. There was not anything out there like that. I was I was shocked actually. Um, oh. So that's when I. So it was it was built based out of a need. What you realized there was a need, and if you would have had even that ten years prior, mm -hmm. uh, right when you were going through your even mm -hmm. your own grief process, so you, yeah. you built it out of that need. And I, yeah, and I wanted to build something that was support for the griever, but that also was support for the friends and family who wanted to help and didn't know how. And now, you know, six years later, I'm certain that that's um, really where a lot of the magic happens. We're never going to have enough yeah. therapists. And even if we did, 
not everybody can afford $150 an hour for therapy and not everybody wants that kind of experience. And we're never going to have enough support groups in every possible location. And even if we did, a lot of people don't want to share their story with a room full of strangers. Um, but I have not met anybody, not one single person who doesn't want their husband, best friend, sister to understand a bit more of what they're going through and to be patient and supportive. Everybody wants that. So I think that the way that we send text messages to the griever and to their people is pretty cool. So tell me, how, walk us through that a little bit then. So when somebody signs up for Grief Coach, let's say I am a friend, like I'm just the supporting person of a griever and I mm -hmm. signed up for, and I sign up for a Grief Coach, mm -hmm. how, what kind of text messages would I get that would help me then guide me as to how it is I support my friend? And do you select if you're the griever or is it like uh, you yeah. select what type of texting you're mm -hmm. going to get? Yeah, exactly. Yep, exactly right. So we have hundreds of expert contributors with a real depth of wisdom in, you know, some some of them stillbirth, some of them suicide, some of them sibling loss, parent loss, losing your mother when you are a mother, all kinds of expertise. And we create a whole network of messages that are customized based on cause of death, relationship, age. We have a teen series, for example, and a series for people who are widowed young and so on. Um, so it takes about five minutes to sign up. You share as much or as little as you want to about your loss or your friend's loss and your texts start right away for you and the supporter. So if you're the supporter, you're going to get, you know, here's a one minute video um, about things that your friend who just had a stillbirth might be experiencing. Um, Here's a resource site. Here's a tip. All the different ways that we're going to help you help her. Yes. <laughs> um, yes. But then at the same time, she is getting her own messages about a stillbirth loss in this example and so on. Um, I use this example a lot because one of our very first subscribers was a woman whose, whose baby was stillborn, first child. And she, I describe her as um, deeply grieving, but also really feeling alone, almost like preoccupied with how alone she felt, which I now realize is very, very, very common, right? So she was saying things like, my husband, my husband's drinking too much and he won't even talk about the baby. My best friend flew across the country to be with me, but she just left because she said she doesn't know how to be with me when I'm like this. So there she is with the nursery all decorated and expecting to have time off work, but instead she's really alone. So she bought a subscription to Grief Coach. She filled in her information, took five minutes, and she added in her husband and her best friend so that she would get messages for her own grief, but that her best friend and her husband would also get texts and suggestions. And like two days later, we got a message back from that best friend, the one who got on the plane. And she said, thank you so much for understanding. This is hard for me too. I don't know what to do. Mm. And that's the experience that I had at the church, right? Where people were like, mm. I don't know what to do. So people are usually so grateful and relieved when someone just gives them a little bit of comfort and confidence about how to proceed. Because everybody knows that just sending someone a bunch of flowers or putting a note on Facebook is not 
as much as they want to do for their grieving person. Um, in my experience, people are good and we really want to help. We just yeah. honestly, we just honestly and truly are do not know fearful how. and don't know how. So the messages we send are very, I mean, they're texts, right? So it's quite short. It's not a lot to read or process. It's tips, reminders, tomorrow would have been, you know, the birthday, things like that. We had um, a woman named Rachel who um, posted on Twitter. She had signed up for a subscription <clears throat> and she said, um, you know, thank you for the messages you've been sending since my mom died. It's really helping me, but I really want to thank you for the messages you're sending my husband because he's being more patient with me now. Mm. And he is like, oh, thank you so much. I never, I had no idea tomorrow would have been her mom's birthday. Uh, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm just right, using right, that as an right. example from all of the people, but like <laughs> the supporter is like, oh, thank you. I didn't know that. Or I didn't oh, okay, add that to that. my calendar. Now I know <laughs> that I that that's going to be a tough week for that person. So let me kind of check in on them more frequently because it may be a tough week mm -hmm. or day because that special day is coming up. That is just, mm -hmm. that's so good because you can add a whole bunch of network and in the same subscription, you can add all these within mm -hmm. that same yeah, it's subscription. It's all you can included. Add, mm -hmm. All included. So that one subscription beautiful. includes messages for up to five people. Usually that's the griever and up to four friends and family. That's you don't wonderful. have to. We have sometimes where it's just the supporters. Like we had a woman who's, so there was this group of uh, girlfriends. They've known each other forever and their friend's daughter um, died by suicide and it was just tragic and you know the mom was just devastated couldn't get out of bed and so the girlfriends signed up themselves and for a whole year they got suggestions about how to help their friend they never even told the friend about it mm -hmm. it was just for them how do you support someone after suicide loss what are things that we can do because we love her that is that is so needed it's interesting because those are some of the calls i get more frequently is mm -hmm. people, it's not as much that I get from friends that are actually grieving that call me, but it's the ones that are the friends of friends mm -hmm. that have lost some, that they're like, I don't, Kendra, what I do I tell them? Why do I don't know what to do? So, um, so yeah, I had a friend that said, can you meet, can you meet with myself and this other friend? We're trying to support our friend and we don't know how, you know, so it is definitely something that is needed. And like you said, people want to help. Mm -hmm. and be there, but don't know how I can even say that even personally, as somebody that's been through grief myself so many times that sometimes I even don't even know what is the right way of serving that particular person, you know, mm -hmm. even though I've been through it myself because everybody's so unique and what they may need is different than maybe what you needed yourself, mm -hmm. you know, but having these kind of resources and tips is uh, yeah. so helpful. So uh, for the listeners, as you're listening to this, make sure to check in the show notes because Emma's given us a code for you to get um, a discount. So just make sure to to uh, check that out and click on there if you feel that this could be something that, and I'm saying it now before we end because in case people don't end up listening <laughs> to the end, I want to make sure you check the ch show yeah. notes. Uh, you yeah, get $10 and you can off. use mm -hmm. yeah, and you can use the subscription for yourself, or you can use the same code to buy it as a gift. People do that as for well. Sure. It's a very thoughtful um, sympathy gift. It's really Beautiful. like it's it's you know at the beginning people said, oh my gosh, your job must be so depressing. I'm like, no, it's it's the opposite <laughs> mm. because people die. Yes, but 
and that we can't, that's always going to be. What we can change is if we're going to learn all of us how to be there for each other. And so the gratitude that comes into my inbox is really quite amazing. And some of the situations, you know, some of the people are in, in the depths of grief, but they're still so grateful that someone has hurt them or someone is helping their mom understand, you know, how to support a grieving teenager. Cause the grieving teenager is like, I don't know what to say. I don't know. People want to help, but I don't know. It's not my job to help other people help me. <laughs> so we do that work for them. And, um, people are so gracious and courageous. That's, that's wonderful. Now take us then a little into your own journey then, because, um, so, and then 2005, approximately, then is when your husband Barry. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, he died by suicide. Mm-hmm. Died by so suicide. We, I was 20, I was 19 when I met him, 26 when I married him, and 31 when he died. So it was my whole life, really, you know, my whole 20s. Um, we're with him, the first serious relationship I'd had. Um, mm-hmm. And we were young when we met. He was 33 when he died. Um, it was the first person I had ever known to die by suicide. I, I was completely and utterly um, destroyed. So mm-hmm. I remember. And so young. So yeah. that's like, not like young, it's like super young, ultra young widow. Um, with the 20, you know, you were, you were 31, right? Mm-hmm. 31. And yeah. And no, you, the two of you didn't have children, um, no. in your relationship. Mm-hmm. No. And that I was sad about for the first few years, but now I understand that that's the wisdom well. behind it. <laughs> the wisdom behind yeah. It. So, yeah. so then you mentioned how some of these then friends, um, were not didn't know how to support you so what did you use as your grieving tools then Mm -hmm. your friends didn't know how to reach out well your family around did yeah I was was I mean I was extraordinarily lucky and blessed and this is the thing that I've written about and talked about a lot like I was very lucky I was in the slim percentage of people that had um, resources available and it still was brutal right and when we look around now at people that don't even get a few days off work when a child dies I mean we have legislation in front of um, that the U.S. is considering right now about legislating five days of bereavement leave and so I've been part of that work with Evermore in D.C. like trying to make basic supports and it's scalable, basic it's five days Right, like scalable, available, thoughtful support available for as many people as possible because I was very lucky. I was living in the UK. Barry and I were living in the UK when he died. I moved back to Canada and my girlfriends, you know, found me a place to stay, poured me into the backseat of a car and drove me to this counseling place they'd found that gave me free one-on-one support specific to suicide grief for like three years for every Wednesday. I just like collapsed into this therapist's office and I feel that it was life-changing that experience and how lucky I was. I couldn't have afforded it. I, I, 
had a amazing um, person who I'd worked with in the past who gave me a job that I could do flexibly. And if I needed to go and cry in the bathroom, that's what was going to happen. So, I mean, my sister moved across the country to live with me and her boyfriend came too. So I had family. I had incredible girlfriends um, with me. I had a flexible work situation. So the experience of the people in the other city where the, where Where my friend and husband had grown up, Mm -hmm. it was harder for them because they weren't right there in the same city as me Mm -hmm. trying to, you know, it was shocking for them. Here it is like their high school friend has like died by suicide. I mean, it was, it was an extraordinary thing for everybody. So I understood. And I think this is a big part of why grief coach is special to me because we have to come in on the side of the supporters Every time I see like, oh, top 10 things never to say to someone who's grieving, I think this is not helping. We just scare people that they mm-hmm. might say the wrong thing and then they won't say anything. Correct. What I did, yeah. you know, it's what better I discovered to say something, even if it's the wrong yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, then to so not we say send it. texts to people yeah. like all sorts of things to support them in that. Like, don't worry if you fumble or say the wrong thing, your friend's not even going to remember what you said. They're just going to remember that you tried. That's it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Don't feel as if you have to cheer someone up. You cannot cheer her up. Her husband just died. Um, If she cries, consider it a compliment. It doesn't like just really try to bolster people's understanding because this is what I learned at the funeral, right? That people were good. They wanted to help. They didn't know how, and we're not born knowing how to do this. And we've become so distant from death and grief that we've just, no one, no one shows us. Yeah. So yeah, it's a taboo topic, right? It's like Mm -hmm. until, until we normalize a conversation about death, the fact like we're fine with the fact of knowing somebody's going to be born and the day Mm -hmm. they're going to be born and this and that, but the fact of the death component, which is also a certainty, it's more certain Mm -hmm. than even, birth <laughs> mm-hmm. right it's true actually because <laughs> birth you don't know the some, well yeah the same like you can't even know the dates you can't know the dates also when you're leaving this body but um but still it, it's no but still, it's a it's certainty one about. of our expert contributors is a woman named dora carpenter and she says um you know we teach people how to evacuate the building if there's an earthquake <laughs> Because that might happen, right? But we oh don't. Oh my gosh! I'm sorry. This is so. This is hilarious because it's so true. A lot of kids. How but many we kids don't teach. But we don't teach people what to say to someone who's <laughs> grieving, which will definitely happen many, many times. So we just yeah. don't do it, and that's I think why people are just really grateful for our texts. It's just like here, you don't have to read a textbook or sit in a room with strangers or anything. We're just going to basically deliver the best wisdom that we can find from hundreds and hundreds of experts around the world. And we're going to send it to your phone in your language all year long, personalized based on the laws. And people are like, Oh, thank you. (laughs) Now, now that you're saying this, actually, let's talk about that language. And because it's text, which countries do you serve? So we are global. And what languages? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. So we're delivering text globally with a few, uh, exceptions. New Zealand, we are struggling with, <laughs> but mostly we deliver anywhere in the world. So we have subscribers in um, uh, Mexico, 
South Africa, El Salvador, um, US, Canada, Australia, um, all over. Uh, we're now delivering in English, Spanish, Hmong, Tagalog, because we launched a big series for in clinicians and mm -hmm. people working in healthcare. And a huge portion of that um, are from the Philippines. So we're really pleased with that. That was really a nice thing. We were very proud of that uh, um, launch. Uh, Polish, um, what am I forgetting? I think that's all right now. And Wonderful. we're adding lots of new ones. Yeah. Wonderful. But it's available globally in English. You can get it in any of those languages anywhere in the world. That is wonderful. And then the texting, how does that, is no extra fee for the texting service internationally or anything like that? It's just the same yeah, it's amount. the same price. Mm -hmm. That is wonderful. What a wonderful uh, service. And the fact that somebody can receive it in their native tongue. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's you know, nice. That yeah, is, that we've been so launching, good. like 2021, we launched um, different languages. We launched a new service um, text channel with working again with experts around caregiving. So depending what cause of death you put, we ask you, were you a caregiver to that person? Because then there's all the grief there of like survivor's mm -hmm. guilt, all this different things. So a caregiver series, a veterans series. Um, yeah, like our our body of tech support now is really beautiful i think <laughs> it's it is beautiful and this all started from going to your friend's funeral in 2015 that you yeah. this idea came out in the airplane you're jotting this yeah. down so I then know. from that from that kind of coming through you onto a paper then to developing how long was that process yeah so i um uh, basically took a third of my salary for, so I took, I was working as an executive in a technology company. So I just took a third of my salary for a couple of years and used that to actually build the platform. So I was lucky that I had a good job then and I had talked to my CEO about it. So he knew um, what I was working on. So yeah, so I spent a couple of years getting it all totally built and ready. And then I didn't quit my job until it launched, which was February, 2019. So as we went live, I quit my full-time job and have been doing this ever since. And it's been, of course, I had no idea there was going to be a global pandemic <laughs> a year later. So we had just the first of 2019, we were doing consumer subscriptions. People find us on Instagram, sign up, gift subscriptions. That fall, we had started to build packages for um, hospices. So in the U.S., hospices are required to provide 13 months of bereavement care. We realized this is like this really amazing, easy, cheap way for them to support all the families in their care. So we had just launched that and then COVID hit and then everything had to pause while we added a new cause of death to the system, which I never, <laughs> never imagined doing. Um, that March. And then of course, healthcare was just upside down. We started getting packages of subscriptions purchased by, you know, there was like a police department in Florida who's trying to support their own employees, a flooring company where the vice president died and they wanted to support all the their oh. colleagues as well as his family. Um, hospices started coming on board, um, children's hospitals that have bereavement teams 
because the need like i mean kendra you know this like the need is so immense yes we're talking like one in four american workers right now are grieving a recent loss Mm -hmm. and we know we have all the data that tells us and this is just talking about one country (laughs) yes and we have all the data that tells us that when we're grieving we're at increased risk for anxiety depression suicidal ideation and behaviors life expectancy reduces for parents who lose a child you're at risk for lost wages sleeplessness substance use i mean bereavement is hard it's It's hard 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 but when we're supported in our grief all of those negative outcomes um, are reduced so mm-hmm. it's like here's this incredible vast need at the same time we have wisdom 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 like now i work with you know hospice bereavement managers all kinds of experts psychiatrists we know how to help when someone is grieving so we have all this world of wisdom we have this immense need and i really see grief coaches just one way of connecting those two things take the wisdom put it into people's hands literally when they need it and when people are supported they're less at risk for all the things that um often accompany grief you you mentioned so many uh different things here that i want to just um talk a lot a little bit about let's start with the fact of having to add then COVID as the Mm -hmm. reason of death right to that so when when somebody then um is supporting someone that that was the cause then is that like a whole even other chapter per se of the you know how you have the teen support that this is this particular cause of death have a whole other layer with it because Mm -hmm. of the Mm -hmm. even the trauma that Mm -hmm. they're still living with in our world that is still Mm -hmm. kind of being faced and remembering that reason Over when we first, so we originally launched the series in March of 2020 mm-hmm. and worked with Virginia Mason's um, grief services team because they were early, uh, because some of the very first deaths in the country were in Seattle in February. So they were already seeing the particular challenges that yes. um, survivors of a COVID, people who had lost someone yep. to COVID were experiencing. So stigma, um, frustration with the policy, seeing it in the news constantly, friends that wouldn't wear masks. Meanwhile, the person had just died, uh, not being able to have a funeral, not even seeing the person at the end. Mm -hmm. So there's all of this, um, all of this that we started trying to build text messages and supports around again for the griever, but also for the people around them to, to say, you know, Mm-hmm. what what they were what was being learned early on and then in the year and a half since then we've added lots more um lots more to that series we get quite a lot of COVID deaths at grief coach um we also get a lot of child loss people using losing a parent young suicides um you know yesterday the woman that signed up her son died it was a homicide i think that we get a lot of what we call out of order losses. You know, the more stigma, the more trauma, the more alone a person feels, the more they're looking for different ways of getting support and feeling less alone. Like my mission in life (laughs) and what I wrote on the plane was that no one should ever grieve alone. Yes. 
And we can make that happen if we all learn how to support each other. Yes. And that's the thing. It's like the knowing that there's these tools, first of all, because that's the thing. A lot of us, when we're in the middle and thick of grief, <laughs> mm-hmm. we don't even sometimes know that there are tools out there. That no, there are you couldn't. I couldn't. Yeah. I could not read even a paragraph of a book for a year after my husband died. I couldn't read. I couldn't take anything in. Right, and right. That's that's, not, that is not unique. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's it's that you're not sometimes even in that place of even wanting to even know what you're supposed to do in that moment yourself. So the part of the others around you kind of knowing is <laughs> what how to support you uh, in that moment of grief is you know probably... your listeners can't see your hands, right? Oh, oh <laughs> just kidding. Man. I was doing it too. I'm like all around. <laughs> Okay. If the listeners, the ones that know me that are listening to this, they know that, yes, I talk with my hands and it is really challenging for me not to talk. So yes, I was moving my arms around saying like everyone around you, that was the description of my, of my, of my movements. Yeah. If I had video, then they'd know. Um, but that is, but, that is what I yeah. do think is the magic of what we're doing. I really do. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. proud of the grief support we send. I'm thrilled when someone feels that the messages we're sending them are helping them with their grief. But I feel mm-hmm. really, really good when I hear the supporter or the person saying how a supporter is a better help. Because I mean, although we use technology to deliver the tips, ultimately our goal is for people to get support to from the people around them in the real mm-hmm. world and to connect yes. in the way that we want to, because that's that's how we navigate we grief. Yes. Yes. Connected with the people around us, you know, not, uh, not through technology. We want, right. It's, it's pretty clear what people want and they want that connection. Understanding they need connection. With the it's people connection. Around them. Yeah. It's connection. Yeah. The, the nonprofits that the nonprofit that I volunteer with as well, like it's, it's that it's that connection, connecting with others that have gone through a similar experience. People are there, you know, with others that are living the same thing, similar to you being able to receive that type of support for three years when you were in Canada, you Mm -hmm. know, by an individual, like there's group, you know, there's group settings as well like that, that people can get, um, that are free. Uh, and, and if that's not, you know, if, and then, so that's one layer, then there's these layers of the, you know, of texting, coaching tips, then there's layers of podcasts, there's layers of, books out there, this, you know, depending on the person, everybody can get a multifaceted approach to support their grief. Mm -hmm. And then of course comes the family, the friends, all these other people Mm -hmm. that are there to help you. We had like a really cool story about, so I think it was in May of this year, um, a woman named Anne renewed her subscription and she had already renewed it, um, once. So she was basically beginning her third year of getting texts, which was a huge thing for us because we'd only launched that many times that long ago. So, um, so I, uh, pinged her, which I don't normally reach out to subscribers, but I was like, hi, I just saw that you renewed for third year. Like, that's so awesome. If you'd be willing to chat with me, I'd love to hear, hear about your experience. And she agreed. Um, so her name is Anne. She's in her twenties and, she grew up uh, on top of a, living on top of a funeral home. Her dad was a funeral director, and her mom was uh, worked in hospice, <laughs> and her sister was like a bereavement counselor. Unbelievable, right? 
That's crazy. Sorry, I'm, I'm sorry. like I, I'm commenting here with my head because as you can hear, the lawnmower or like next to they're <laughs> mowing right next to me this second. That is so, great. So all these, so dad, funeral home. So dad, yeah, her dad's a funeral director. Her mom worked in hospice and her sister's hospice. a bereavement counselor. And Incredible. so when she was in her 20s, her sister died. And she lived in rural Pennsylvania, small town Pennsylvania. And she said to me, um, I knew exactly what kind of grief support is available in my town. Right? I grew up with that. I see the brochures that my dad delivers to people's mailboxes and so on. So she said that she, you know, she knew that that was not what she wanted. And so she found Grief Coach on Instagram and signed up. And she added in a friend who's a friend of her sister's who was also going to get those supporter texts that we've been talking about. And she said that early on, we sent a text which had um, a link to a TED Talk by a woman named Nora McInerney. And... So, and you move forward, you don't move on from your grief forward with it. So (laughs) we sent Nora's Ted talk to Anne, who's Mm -hmm. there grieving alone in rural Pennsylvania in her like mid twenties. Right. And she had never heard of Nora's work before, but she was felt like really a connection to the Ted talk. And so she decided to buy Nora's book. So she bought Nora's book and then she said, Oh, that's all beeping at me. Um, so she bought Nora's book and then Nora wrote two more books and she bought those books too. And she was saying, <laughs> go, ask, I was like, go tell Nora, you need that referral yeah. <laughs> for those two books, three books that she bought three because books. of that Ted talk you said, but her. it's so cool to your point, what you're saying about how people use different things, different yes. things work for different people and different mediums at different times. So it was really amazing. I think that we like this morning, I heard back from one of our subscribers who said, oh my gosh, thank you for this text. It really resonated with me. And that was a text uh, that was crafted by another one of our contributors. Her name is Lucinda Coza, and she is um, well known for her work around millennials and caregiving. Mm -hmm. So we sent a resource to someone who is grieving the loss of someone who they were a caregiver to with that wisdom. She's like, oh, thank you. This really touched me, right? And Anne is saying, hey, that TED Talk particularly resonated and it led me to this book. And now I've renewed my subscription three times and the friend is still always wants to be part of it. Everyone finds their way with different That's kinds nice. of content. And it's now I'm the one using my hands. Yeah, there you go. But... See, are you, do you also have Italian in you? Is that why? Because <laughs> that's why, why I talk with my hands. The, uh, that is just yeah. amazing because, yes, you're not only sending the text, but you're also then offering these other channels for them to get further support. Like you said, that TED Talk video. Then from there, if that ends up speaking to that person, like you said, then this person ended up buying the book and then another one and another one. And uh, yeah, you just kind of get an idea of more um, more tools that can be used. Mm-hmm. And it's so interesting that this person, even though she'd grown up with this type of uh, knowledge of what was out there for support, that she knew that that didn't speak to her, mm-hmm. for her grief, and that she needed something different. So um so yeah, that's wonderful. Thank you for 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 sharing that and all these different uh journeys. Yeah, so now cool what story. are things yes, thank you. Now what other things for you back to uh for your own grief journey aside from the um therapy that you went to for those three years, what other tools did you find helpful 
uh, back when it was early on in your grief? Yeah. So, I mean, as I said, I had a, an amazing sister, uh, Hannah, who came and lived with me. And I had two girlfriends, Shannon and Allison, <clears throat> who were incredible. So I had people to cry with. Um, I had expert support from the therapist that I had. I had an understanding job. <laughs> I yes. had, um, I did, support, find, so, yeah, I, you did really have I did find creative expression for me was important. So I wrote songs. I would play like loud music <laughs> with my band and like try and just like let it out. You know, um, I think that that was healing for me I needed to just sort of scream yell express I I had a lot of feelings bottled up I spent a whole year after Barry died thinking of myself almost as a murderer you know so just anger guilt rage shame all of it needed to come needed to come out so creative expression was really I think very healthy and healing for me um, and also just being able to share with a few with people around me yeah now, how how did you um, translate having learned that into then your parenting? Has having lived through grief, your children, of course, that they never met your first husband because that's not who mm-hmm. who they knew. But um, have you shared, for example, that experience with them now that they're teens about your grief journey and been open with them about all these different emotions, like? Does that make mm-hmm. sense what I'm saying? Like, how did that mm-hmm. translate into your interpersonal relationships? Aside from, of course, it impacting what you do now for <laughs> for a living. But mm-hmm. how did it how did it impact it, you? Um, <laughs> it's hard to say because I don't know what I would have been like. Ah, different, right? Right, you know? true, true. Um, I do know that when I was pregnant with my first child, I I think the answer is that it permeates everything (laughs) Mm. because it just made me like so um I mean I think I was an empathetic person before and and parenting already kind of blows your heart into pieces and you feel like your heart's living out your side your body and there wasn't that much of a gap between Barry you know from Barry's death until my first child was born was uh five years so the grief was still very much with me and heavy for me um so I don't know mm-hmm. and I'll never know, but I think that loss was very profound as an experience and not one I would actually change. I mean, of mm. course I would bring Barry back, but I wouldn't give up the experience of understanding deeply what pain is, um, what healing can feel like, how resilient we can be how to find joy in tiny things that I used to not even notice. Um, And I definitely, when I never had, I don't know, this is kind of weird, but when my kids were little or having a tantrum or screaming in the bathtub or something, I didn't, I really, I, I just appreciated every minute of it. I think it made me deeply appreciate being a mom and 99.9% of the time I could stay like just right there in the moment with them. You know, I loved it. We would do like imagination stories and this, that, and the other. And just to be so um, in the moment, I think was a so gift beautiful. that grief gave me. Yeah. So beautiful. 
thank you for sharing that. And um, I don't think anyone's ever right. asked me that before, you know. I do a lot of interviews and I don't think anyone's ever asked me that before. So now I, I have honored. to think about it. <laughs> uh, well, I feel honored that that was the <laughs> first time that you heard it. I, I, as I told you when we were starting this, that I don't, um, I don't prepare. <laughs> I don't prepare what I'm going to ask. It just kind of comes from whatever I'm receiving. So mm -hmm. uh, it's a great question. So I, I thank you for being uh, vulnerable and sharing that because um it is so true. It does kind of crack you open to just another, another level, you know, like it, 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 it's, and you're right. It's not like you want to say that you're glad that this person died in your life, but it's that if they hadn't, you wouldn't be who you are now, if that experience had not happened. Mm -hmm. And so, and it's just very, um, um, so very grounding and powerful yes. in a way. Right. And, and, it gives me a kind of like confident, like I can get through things. Mm. I don't, I really, really do not like, there's like this leak in my ceiling a couple of years ago and it turned into this huge thing. Like they were tearing off the size. It was this huge square of stuff. I had just launched like Greek Gota. I didn't have like money for it. People around me were like, Oh my gosh, it's terrible. I'm like, what, what? I don't even notice. <laughs> I don't care. It be, I couldn't it care. I just couldn't make myself care yeah. about the hole in my ceiling that was getting bigger right. and bigger. Like this huge square was cut out and everything was tarped all around. And I just didn't care. Because it's like, it's well, like just putting get it life fixed. in perspective. Yeah, it's putting yeah. life in perspective, the priorities of what, yeah, what really is important for you. Like you said, <laughs> even with the kids having a tantrum, I can't say that I was like you, even though I had already experienced grief prior to I'm, being a mom. I can't probably, say that. I'm that probably was my making case. myself sound better than it really was <laughs> in retrospect. I, <laughs> I can't say that. I was like, oh, yay, they're having a tantrum. Ooh, I'm mm. present. Yeah. I can't say that was my case. But like, um, like, not 100% of the time. But no, it's just, again, it's just, it shifts for everybody differently, right? Grief I shifts people, each of us differently. I see people so stuck all the time, you know, because the tile is chipped in the shower or I, I just like, we're all going to die. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're here now and we're not always going to be here and healthy with each other. So that is a real gift. And now I have the gift of working in bereavement, bereavement managers at hospices, all the people I work with are the same grounded, present, happy, thoughtful. Mm. That's what I mean. There's all this wisdom. We, we have the wisdom. And it's interesting to think of text messaging as a way to transfer wisdom. But I actually think it can because it's small amounts for a long time, right? It's not, it's not like knowledge sharing where I'm just going to like tell you something and you're suddenly going to know it. It's wisdom over time. little doses yeah little, little doses. doses do they and get it once from a lots week of places it's at least once twice a week, a week. Twice yeah, a minimum week. twice okay. a week extra on anniversary dates special holidays mm -hmm. if you tell us that rosh hashanah is important to you then you get messaged around with that the anniversary of the death the person's birthday what would have been your wedding anniversary if you lost a partner so it's a minimum twice a week for each of the five people in the subscription that is wonderful and it's, it's max lot. five 
people. That's five people mm-hmm. that in one subscription. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. It's that's amazing. Lot. And it's a great, and I know I, it's a great deal by the way, too, for a year subscription. So, um, you guys can it's check like it out way less than an hour's therapy, right? For oh, you yeah. and for it your is. friends and family to get support from like a network of experts for a year. So that's my goal is to keep it affordable. It costs money. Every time we deliver, we're charged by character, by translation. So just trying to keep it affordable and available for everybody. It's, yeah, it's like it's a service. It's a way of serving. It's a way of serving uh, people. So thank you for doing that. And it's grief.coach.com. Is that uh, correct? No, just grief.coach. Oh. Grief.coach. Yep, grief.coach. And okay. if you go to grief.coach and use the code GGG podcast, you will get $10 off. Or you can just go to grief.coach slash GGG podcast. Yeah, that's um, what we, we that GGG, the grief, gratitude, and grief. <laughs> we, just, we made it simpler for y'all. GGG podcast. And again, the link will be, and I'm doing my finger here with the pointing down as I'm here with my hands talking. The, the, <laughs> the link will be below. And thank you again, Emma, for doing that for the listeners. Yeah, you're welcome. Again, I hope that it's helpful for people. Well, and I, well, you're helping already so many people, but I know even where to direct now others when they contact me of saying, what do I do for, so, you know, for my friend and having this as a tool that they can access for themselves to know what to say to their friends. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Is there anything I did not ask that you still want to share? Um, I don't think so. You asked lots of questions. No, I'm good. (laughs) Okay, good. No, it was a pleasure. Thanks for the questions. And you've given me something to think about in terms of um, the parenting piece, for sure. It's it's definitely, actually, my friend, my girlfriend just said, like, last week, and this is is one of the girlfriends, Shannon, who was really part of my early journey. But I was talking about how I always said back then, in my thirties as a new window widow, I was like, I'm not going to let this define me. I'm not going to be one of those people that spends all their time talking about grief forever and ever. And here I am like 20 years, 20 years later, <laughs> but she says, Shannon said, she's like, yeah, but it doesn't define you. Uh-huh. It's, it's not all that you are. Uh-huh. I was like, okay, yeah, you're right. But it is at the same time, it does fuel me and it has impacted for sure the way that I parent and the way that I do everything. So it, it's different of it being like something we use as a crutch, you know, than mm-hmm. something that we use as a launching pad to help right. others. That's, That's the difference. Putting it. Yes. Yeah. So for you, your experience became a launching pad for you to impact other people's lives rather than it becoming a, a crutch, uh, you know, uh, woe is me kind of component. Right. It became of empowering others in their journey. So that's, that's, I think the difference in terms of, of how, how it, it is defining your life, but just in a different, in a different, in a different way. A different way. So uh, in a different right. way, that's how, that's how I feel, at least for my experience as well. And I feel a responsibility to do that. I feel like we don't go through things just, you know, to go through things. We go through things in order to learn from them and then help others as well. I don't, I, if not, then it's kind of was for granted, you know, Mm -hmm. like the experiences went for granted. So, uh, Mm -hmm. thank you once again, Emma. Yeah. Thank you very much for having me, Kendra. It was a pleasure. Thank you again so much for choosing to listen today. I hope that you can take away a few nuggets from today's episode that can bring you comfort in your times of grief. 
If so, it would mean so much to me if you would rate and comment on this episode. And if you feel inspired in some way to share it with someone who may need to hear this, please do so. Also, if you or someone you know has a story of grief and gratitude that should be shared so that others can be inspired as well, please reach out to me. And thanks once again for tuning in to Grief, Gratitude, and the Gray in Between podcast. Have a beautiful day.